The year was 1958. I was four years old. And, and for those of you who might be just a little bit too young, yes, they did not have color in those days. That was not a techo glitch on our projector. That was black and white television. In fact, did you know before that they had televisions with no screens? It was called radio. So goes way back. But, you know, in 1958, Procter & Gamble came out with Mr. Clean, still around today. And it's kind of this miracle formula they came out that took away dirt and grime. And then a couple of years ago, they came out with something called the Magic Eraser. And I've asked Adrian to hunt me up one. He was kind enough to do that right here. And this little crazy thing here, I'm telling you, it's got some foam in it. But the secret is something called melamine. It's melamine foam. And they discovered they've used it for a long time. I think it's one of those things that NASA discovered. And uh, it's used for soundproofing and all those things. And somehow, some way, someone found out that it has an amazing ability to get stains out of things that, well, just normally wouldn't come out. And you can ask Adrian or Ray, and they'll tell you, and you probably used them at home, these things really are pretty incredible. They get most stains out. And so today, I don't want to talk about this magic eraser as much as I want to tell you a story from God's Word that really lines up in an amazing way. Today's sermon title is Naaman, Mr. Clean, and the Magic Eraser. 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 1-14. through 14, Perhaps no other scripture, perhaps besides the story of the Passover, lines up with what God can do incredibly in our lives. We're going to see today that, that we're going to talk about a man who had a stain that it seemed nothing could remove. And then we're going to hear about an amazing miracle of God that took that stain away. And the guy in the middle was Mr. Clean, a person, actually a couple of people really, who was willing to be used by God to help get rid of that stain. You know, I'm sitting here and I'm aware, of course, that last week we had visitors and this week we got visitors. And I want to share something with you. I, I believe. I know I know that through the tragedy of, of February the 29th of that morning and the after effects of that, God has spoken to a whole lot of people. We, we saw this very same thing happen after uh, 2001 on, on 9-11, that that people began turning back to God. But we also found this, that after that happened, it lasted about three weeks and then people began to return back to the normal routine. And here's what I know as a pastor. That unless you are here today, and, and I'm talking about folks who were in the tornado, folks who have been impacted by the tornado and helping others, folks who just simply because you live in Harrisburg, your life and, and the realization that it could change like that has impacted you. I'm talking about all of us really here today and on the radio this morning. That unless we make some conscious decisions about the things I just spoke about, about what God is trying to do in our lives, unless we make a conscious decision to do something with God in about three, four, five weeks, as history and time passes, the urgency that God has put in our hearts is going to fade. And as a family, as a church, as individuals, I am asking God not to let that happen. I'm asking God to let us keep the passion that we have right now to know him more, to reach out and touch others. And for some of you, perhaps here today, to experience the power of the magic eraser for the very first time in your life. 
So in 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 1 through 14, we want to see a story. And again, it's so cool is because we can take the story that happened about 3,000 years ago, about 2,500 years ago, and we can bring it up to 2012. I mean, it's wonderful how God's Word is. God's Word is so living and alive even today. So the Bible begins by telling us this. In verse number 1, Now Naaman, the commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master. Because by him, the Lord had given him victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor. And really all I want to say is this. You don't have to read that verse very depth or know the Bible very well to stop and say, you know what? Naaman was a good guy. In fact, Judy shared with me from the commentary that she was reading yesterday preparing for Sunday school that the word Naaman means pleasant. Pleasantness. So, so here we have a guy, and ordinary army commanders are real gruff and hard, but this guy had a pleasant personality. He was a brave man. He was a man of valor. He was a man who took great responsibility and had the respect of some very, very important people. He was a great guy. But then we read those three words in the New King James, but a leper, but a leper. There was a certain stigma to having leprosy in those days, but the bottom line is this. It was a death sentence. As great a man as Naaman was, unless somehow somebody intervened, Naaman was going to die prematurely. He was going to die of this thing called leprosy. Now, let me share with you today. We have all said, we have all pondered this thought. And, we, and people from outside of Harrisburg have said this. We cannot believe the outpouring of generosity and volunteers that Harrisburg has experienced. Um, we were out walking around Largent Street area yesterday and saw the, the different volunteers uh, being funneled through Operation Blessing. And even a week after last, last Saturday, there were thousands of people in Harrisburg doing volunteer work. And yesterday, there were hundreds and perhaps a thousand people in Harrisburg doing volunteer work. And, and not only just on Saturdays, but throughout the week, the generosity through monetary donations, um, semi-trucks are pulling into Mad Pricer, stocked with supplies to help the tornado victims. We have just seen an outpouring of the goodness of people. But let me say this. We also have seen, and thankfully it's very limited, but we have seen some very ungenerous things happen. I heard on the news that someone went into a home and stole a television from one of the homes. There have been limited reports of looting in Harrisburg following the storm. We have heard reports of people who are taking advantage of the situation and going from agency to agency to agency to agency to agency and are taking you know, as much as they can get. Her report, one lady's even planning on having a yard sale with the things that she collected. And we look at those folks and go, yeah, boy, you know, if just like Naaman had the stigma, those people ought to have a stigma about them. Dwayne, to use your term, I know you're going to use it today, they're, they're sinners, you know. But you know what? The truth is this. Just like Naaman was a really, really good guy, but had this leprosy, the Bible says all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That, that in fact, there is none righteous, no, not one. And let me say this so you'll understand something. The truth is, is that the people who have done so much incredible volunteer work, and we would say what a good person they are, they're still sinners. 
I mean, we, we would say the folks that abused the system and the folks that stole, yeah, boy, we don't have a problem. We could, we could, man, put them under the jail. But, but in God's eyes, all of us have sinned. I, I've heard it said at funerals before. So, someone would say this, you know, talking about their grandmother or their grandfather. If anyone deserved to go to heaven, it was my grandmother. Well, the truth is this. None of us deserve heaven. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Yeah. I'm back on now. Cool. Did you do like a miracle? Whoa, Mr. Clean. Ding, dong, ding. But there's also this group of people. Have you heard of this before that I've done my time in hell on earth? Uh, People who have suffered a great deal with illness or through catastrophes will say he's certainly suffered enough. And implying that if we suffer enough on earth, that somehow God will let us into heaven, that, that, that penance will pay somehow. And you see, I've got my scale over here today, and, and here's the bottom line. Naaman, Naaman said, you know, I, I'm a good guy, and I'm, I'm sure in his mind he was saying, you know, I, I deserve some credit because of that. And, and there are people who say, you know, I've done so many good things that certainly God's going to say, I deserve heaven. But what I know from the scriptures, and I bet if you really were honest with yourself, what you know is that no matter how many rocks I put over here, the weight of sin is not going to be taken away. It, it can't be. That's why we need the magic eraser. It's because there's no amount of good works. And may I be honest again? No matter what you're suffering from, no matter whether it's the tornado or whether your life has just been a mess, you've had an abusive husband, you've had marriages that stink, you've had bad kids, whatever you want to say, however you want to say it, you might say, well, I can know I can get up rocks and God's going to show just a little bit of mercy and let me to heaven. Well, we serve a merciful God, but through suffering or good works is not the way that we get into heaven. So here we have Naaman, a great guy, and he's dying. He has leprosy. There's always a strong correlation between sin and leprosy. Both of them, if you will, are terminal diseases. In fact, Paul wrote in the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 1, he says these words. We are dead in trespasses and sin. So because we sin against holy God, spiritually, we are dead. And we need a resurrection. And that's what the story is about today. Then we move to the next verses, and we move from Naaman to hearing about a young lady. Let me read the verses to you. In verse 2 through 4, we read these words. And the Syrians had gone out on raids, and had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. And she waited on Naaman's wife. Now let me pause here. This young lady was everything that Naaman wasn't. She was the captive. Naaman was the captor. She was a girl which, frankly, back in those days, held no value whatsoever. And not only is Naaman a male, but he's an alpha male. He, he is the commander of the army. Um, she was a Hebrew. He was a Gentile. She, she was a God follower, a follower of Jehovah God. And, and Naaman was a pagan. So we see this young lady ripped from her family and brought into forced service of of Naaman's wife. And I don't know what your response might be in a situation like that, but I want you to notice hers. Because the Bible says 
She said to her mistress in verse three, if only my master were with the prophet who's in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. And then Naaman went and told his master, saying, this is what the girl said, who is from the nation of Israel. How incredible. Here's here's a young girl who had every right to be bitter, to be focused on her world and not to help this guy named Naaman. But we find her doing the exact opposite. And, And what we see in her and listen, church, I'm talking to believers now. What we see in her, we need to see in ourselves. See, she had confidence in God. She believed that there was a God who could help Naaman. And as the church today, we need to be about the business of God showing this community that there is a God and he can help put their world back together. You know, I love the story um, where actually it's a scripture where Jesus says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And I just want to tell you, if you're on the radio today, or if you're here, and if you claim any, any body of believers as your church home, uh, you know, the gospel or Owensboro today, or if you claim Dorsville as your church home, I want to tell you today, as the pastor, as the speaker, as the teacher today, if there ever was a time that the church of God needs to be a light in a dark world, it is today. Dorsville, church, we need to shine. We need to shine. And we need to be like the moon and not the sun. It's not a time to call attention to Dorsville Baptist Church. It's not a time to call attention to Little Chapel Church. It's not a time to call attention to First Baptist Church or McKinley Avenue Church or the Presbyterian Church or the Methodist Church. It is time to reflect the light of the sun just like the moon. We are to reflect the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. Dorsville doesn't need a church that is shining. It needs a Savior that is shining. It needs to know about Jesus Christ. That's what it needs. That's what he's, And we see this in this young girl. She was convinced that she needed to shine a light into Naaman's life. If you're here today, and you're here because you kind of wandered back into God because of what you've been through, let me be the first, if not the second or the third, to share with you that you don't need a church membership. I talked to one person right down here on the corner of McCormick and uh, another street. I can't remember the name of the street. And they're saying, he said something like, yeah, we know we need to get back in church. Oh, then listen, church is a fine thing. But what you need to do is get back or into relationship with holy God. That's that's the message of hope. Church, church is not the message of hope. Jesus Christ is the message of hope that we need to share. So this this young girl shines. This young girl shines into Naaman's dark world and says, you know what, ma'am? There's a prophet representing God. He, he, he's just Mr. Clean. He's just an instrument of God, just like the church will be an instrument of God. You know, there, there's a prophet who represents God. And boy, if, if Naaman would go see him, God could make a difference. God could make a difference in this man's life. So Naaman's a desperate man. So he goes and tells the king, you know, says, hey, there's a young maid. And she says that there's somebody in Israel who can help me. We move on. We see then. And by the way, look at the points if you want. I'm not using them this morning. Look at verse number five. So he goes to the king of Syria. Naaman does. And the king of Syria said, go now and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold And ten changes of clothing. 
So what we see is now, now, now I didn't realize this until I say this. I preach this message or the scripture several times. But apparently he got the letter from the king, but the resources were his own. The king of his, uh, king of Syria did not dip into his treasury treasure. What happened was Naaman went down to farmers. OK, and he, and he said, I like to make withdrawal from a savings account. OK, and he pulls out what what equates to a huge sum of money. And you know why? These weren't traveling expenses. These were monies that he intended to use to buy healing from the prophet. See, he he did like so many people in the world today. Once again, if I just do this for God, if I go to church, if I'm baptized, if I give money, if I help tornado victims, um, if I do good, um, if I don't smoke, if I don't beat my wife, if I don't drink, um, if I don't do drugs and don't and don't and do and do that, there's a giant scale out there. And one day God is going to let that scale tip in my favor and I'm in with him. There is no giant scale. And if there were a giant scale, there is nothing that you could put on this side of the occasion that could change the outcome. You've got nothing to bring to God that would qualify you for heaven. There's not enough good works. There's not a particular domination. There's not a spiritual act such as baptism that you can do. There's nothing you can do to tip the scale. But Naaman says, surely this will gain me favor with the prophet and favor with God, and I can get healed. So he brings his good. But he goes one step further. He not only has his money, he has a letter. And the letter is from the king of Syria to the king of Israel. And here's what the letter says. He brought the letter to the king of Israel, which said, now be advised. When this letter comes to you that I have sent Naaman, my servant, to you, that you may heal him of leprosy. So the letter basically comes from the king of Syria to the king of Israel and says, I want you to heal my man. Now, it was probably a toss up depending on what day of the week it was. But Syria and Israel were pretty much at battle all the time. And depending on who was the stronger that day, they would win or lose. But from the reaction of the king of Israel, which we're going to see, apparently he felt like the king of Syria was trying to pick a quarrel with him. All right. And he was going to lose. So he, could, you know, he just literally becomes unglued at this situation. But Naaman has a letter. He has power and prestige behind him and says this. If I show this letter to the king of Israel, who will show it to the prophet, I will get healed. See, some of y'all think that if somehow when you die and I do your funeral, if I say some really good words over you, that God's going to say, you're in. I can't, you know, I, I, I long to help people in times of death. You know, when I, when I get to do a funeral, I consider it one of the gifts that God's given me, the talents God's given me to share light in a dark time. But can I be honest with you? There's nothing I'm going to say before a crowd that's going to get you into heaven. There's just not. There's no authority. I can't say by the authority of Dorsville Baptist Church as their pastor and by the church that ordained me in 1983, I hereby declare that you're qualified for heaven. It wouldn't hold any water. And so Naaman, Naaman comes in with his money and with this letter, okay, and gives it to the king of Israel, expecting to buy or influence the decision. And incredibly, let me read this to you. Incredibly, here's what happened. And it happened, in verse 7, when the king of Israel read the letter, 
that he tore his clothes and said, am I God to kill and make alive that this man sends a man to me to heal him of leprosy? Therefore, please consider and see how he seeks a quarrel with me. You know, this was really because, again, no virtually no one was cured of leprosy. I think it's Luke chapter four, where, where Jesus says there were lots of lepers in the time of Elijah, but only Naaman was healed. Jesus said that thousands of years later. OK, so so to be healed of leprosy was a really big deal. And the king of Israel flips out. and He goes, am I God? And I want to say this this morning. Dorsville, you might say, or the church you're in, or, or we have said, are we God? No, but we know him. We know him. I, I happen to know the God, and many of you know the God who can make a difference in people's lives. Come on now. We know the God who can put light into people's dark world, dark world right now. We, we know the God who can make a huge difference, not only in Harrisburg, but in Illinois, and not only in Illinois, but the United States, and not only in the United States, but North America, and not only in North America, but this entire world. We know that God. And His power is unlimited to make a difference in the lives of people. I tell you. Jesus said, in Luke 19, He said, there's a man. And the man went away. He's a ruler type guy. And he looked at, at ten, ten servants. And he looked at the ten servants and gave them ten mayas. Pieces of money. And here's what he said. Do business till I come back. May I make a suggestion to you today? That 2100 years ago, that Jesus Christ stood on a hilltop and said, you're going to be witnesses in this world. And the Bible says he ascended back to the Father. And one day he's coming back. Amen? But when he left, he said, Hey, church, do business. I'm telling you, church, we need to be doing business in Harrisburg and not our business. And not our kingdom, but the kingdom of God and the business of God that can change and impact the lives of people for all eternity. We need to be a church that is on fire doing the work of God in Harrisburg. Now, that has been happening. I've heard reports from all over our church family about people that are helping. But I want to tell you a story. Yesterday, Rod Wallace and I took a tour of the Largent Street area. This is our backyard. Right over here. And the devastation is terrible. But this devastation is terrible there in our backyard. And we compiled a list without trying hardly a couple hours time of 12 or 15 people who are underinsured or not insured. And they need help. And I believe that the business of the kingdom is to reach out and help them put their lives back together. We, we can sit here and we can talk about Jesus, but we're, we're going to make a whole much bigger impact when we go out there and be Jesus to them. It, it may be, listen, I don't want to freak anybody out because Rod Wall's about to freak me out. Because, Dwayne, we need to be building some houses. We need to be hauling some trailers in. We need to put some roofs on. And folks, I'm telling you, 
That is the mandate of God. And, and not just so we can give them a house back or a trailer back, but to let them know that there's a God in Israel who can make a difference in their lives. That's what it's about. It's easy to volunteer at Matt Pricer on Thursdays. That won't cost you but eight hours. And it's a good thing. I'm telling you, there are bigger projects, there's bigger ministries that Dorisville's known for being a ministering church that we've got to be a part of. We have got to do business. There's an opportunity we have. I'm hoping it works out. We met a guy named Tim. Now, are you ready for this? Tim is a Lutheran. Dwayne, did you say Lutheran in a Baptist church? Yeah. And he has this incredible team that will be coming back starting in a couple, three weeks and rotating in and out throughout the summer. And they have assets like there are nine modular homes sitting in Joplin, Missouri. He says, I believe I can get those nine homes. They worked over there, brought to Harrisburg and put those things together and finish them out so folks can have houses to live in Harrisburg. And I said, dude, I know a place where you can stay. It's called Dorisville Baptist Church. I said, man, we can come to, uh, you know, I said, I said, I even got a name for it. A BLT. Baptist Lutheran Team Up. (laughs) BLT. I'm telling you guys, we must think outside the box. We've got to let our big God be really big and do say, God, we'll trust you. Just show us what to do and allow us to be part of doing it. We've got to do business. So we move on. The king of Israel's flipping out, becomes unglued. And then the Bible says in verse number 8, So it was when Elijah, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had tore his clothes, that he sent the king saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me. He shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. He says, Send him to me. I know the answer. I can share the answer. I can put light into his dark world. Mr. Clean. I can be the agent. You see, when you've got the, the sponge and you've got a stain, you need someone to use the sponge. The church is to be that person who uses the sponge, to share the sponge. In this case, it was the prophet Elijah who was going to use the sponge. So look what happens. I love this. Verse 9. So Naaman went out with his horses. And now, you've got to get this in your mind. Now, here he is dressed up in all his military grandeur. You know, every once in a while we have guys come home from, from Afghanistan or something or from the military. They'll have on their uniforms, you know, the Marines and Navy and the Air Force, all those guys. And they look so incredibly sharp. Well, Naaman has on all his armor and all his soldier stuff. He pulls up and his, you know, his, his, his M1 Abrams chariot, you know, pulls up there all the horses, pulls up to the door and goes up to the door of Elijah's house. Now, he's expecting, watch this, he's got his bags. Here's his gold, here's his silver, and and here's his change of clothes. Maybe uniforms, who knows? Maybe uniforms. He has all this, and in his hand he's got his letter. Oh, he's proud of his letter. He's got his letter and say, listen, here's how I'm going to bribe you. Here's how I'm going to buy my healing, and all that That doesn't work. I've got the the power, I've got the prestige, I've got the position of the king of of, of Syria. Something's going to happen here today. And Elisha doesn't come out. A messenger comes out. And here's what the messenger says. Elijah sent a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. 
Now, we're going to hear in a moment that is just not what Naaman expected to hear. After all, it was so simplistic. Go down to the Jordan River, which, by the way, is you're going to hear in a moment, a very muddy river. We've seen it with our own eyes. It's a very muddy river. It's not impressive. Any thought that you have of the Jordan being like the Mississippi is not true. You could probably throw a stone. I know you could throw a stone across the Jordan River in most places. It just wasn't too impressive. And Elijah says, Mr. Commander, sir, I want you, you know, I'm not interested in your gold or silver, and I'm not interested in your letter. I simply say this, go down, okay, in faith, go down to the Jordan River, dip yourself, not once, not twice, not three, not four, not five, not six, not seven, which has to be the number of completion, dump seven times in the Jordan River, and you'll be made clean. It was so simplistic. You know, God works in simplicity. He doesn't work in cheap. But he works in simplicity. Because we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And because there is none of us righteous, no, not one. And because the wages of sin is death. And because that we are dead in trespasses and sin. God realized that the only way there could be atonement for sin was through for someone who was perfect and holy to die. For that person to actually become sin and become that we might become the righteous of God. That, that his that God's wrath could be poured out in payment for that sin, to, to appease that sin. And he looked all over the earth and didn't find anybody because there's none of us that are perfect. So the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. In other words... Jesus came down, God became man, God became flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. He lived a perfect and sinless life, and at the age of 33, not with a plan that went bad, but a plan that was perfectly executed, he was nailed to a Roman cross, much like this one, where he bled and died for our sins. The payment death was paid, but he also became sin. Please grasp that. Every evil thought, every evil sin that man has done from the beginning to the end was on Jesus Christ that day. And the full wrath of God was poured out on Jesus Christ that day. And then Jesus said, or God said this. If you'll believe in that, you can come in relationship with me. You can't put enough rocks on the scale. It's not going to happen. You just can't put enough rocks. But if you'll believe in my son Jesus and what he did on the cross, then I'll, I'll forgive your sins. I will give you eternal life. And you can have relationship with me. Now, I don't want you to go out and join some Baptist church. I don't want you to get religion. I don't want you to get baptized for salvation. I want you to believe in my son. And you want to know why people push back? Because it's so simplistic. People want to start going to church to gain salvation. People want to give money to gain salvation. People want to do. In fact, isn't it crazy that the only religion in the whole world that's not works-based is Jesus? Every other religion in the world depends on works. All but Jesus. All but God's incredible plan of grace. But people push back because we are a performance-based society. You ladies are groomed to believe that if you do certain things, your husband will love you more. If you slim down uh, 
paint your face, whatever you like. By the way, we want you to paint your face. All for it, baby. Well, Pooter, you just keep painting, honey. Okay? But again, we're performance-based. We're performance-based. And we try to bring that performance-based thing into salvation. And God says, I don't want your performance. I want you to believe in my son, Jesus Christ. What he did on the cross. And that's the message we've got to get out. And while we're building a house, or while we're putting on a roof, while we're demonstrating Jesus, then we earn the right to speak about Jesus and tell people, about a great God who loves him very much. But people push back. Naaman pushed back. Look what it says. Naaman became furious. He went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, He will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the place, and heal the leprosy. He said, I have certain expectations here, and this is how it's going to pan out. I expect him to come out and do a big show, and that's how God's going to take away the leprosy. It didn't happen that way, so I'm angry. And by the way, let's just talk logically. Are not the Abana and Farpar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Can I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned away and went away in a rage. And some of you... And some people on the radio and certainly others in this town, in this community, in this country will walk away from God because it doesn't pan out like you want it to pan out. But listen, he's God. And I'm going to be very blunt. It's his way or the highway. He does not give you an option that says you can be works based if you think you can be good enough. There is but one way and the way is Jesus Christ. It's not the Baptist way. Baptists don't have a patent on salvation. The Lutherans don't have a patent on salvation. The Catholics don't have a patent. Uh, you know, the Methodists don't have a patent. There's no patent on salvation. It's the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ freely spilled on the cross that washes away the sins of man and women and children. It's that that causes it to happen. Naaman couldn't handle that. Paul wrote about that in 1 Corinthians 1.18. Here's what the word says. The message of the cross, the very thing I'm speaking to you today, the very thing I'm speaking on the radio right now. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those who believe is the power of God. You will not find one person in this building today. Who has experienced the wonderful forgiveness of God who calls the cross foolishness. Can I have a witness? If you've ever experienced the mighty grace of God, you won't find people lined up and say, that's just foolishness. It's crazy. But you know what's you know, why I've seen this this morning. Imagine if you're drowning. And you're drowning and here comes a lifeguard. And you're flailing around. And the lifeguard says, hold still so I can save you. And you say to yourself and to the lifeguard, hold still, I am trying to stay afloat. And when he says hold still, that means you've got to sink. And you're, I'm sitting here today, you say, Dwayne, I want to go to heaven, but I'm just certain I've got to work for it. And I'm telling you, hold still and let God save you. A lifeguard will let a person go under so he can save him. When the person finally surrenders, the lifeguard will reach over and save him. And God wants to reach over in his amazing grace and save you from eternity in hell. That's what he wants to do. 
And all you've got to do is hold still and let him do it. He, Jesus paid it all, the song says. All to him I owe. Sin and left a crimson stain, yet he washed it white as snow. So the Bible says, the word of God, a book that you can trust. Acts 4.12 says, there is no other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. You say, boy, that's just a little bit narrow. It is. Until you include the fact that, that when, when God said for God so loved the world, he included the white man, the brown man, the black man, the yellow man, German, uh, Hispanic, American. It does not matter rich or poor. God loves people and wants to save them from eternity and hell. He wants to bring them into fellowship and relationship with them. The door's wide open today. He's an inclusive God. As long as you come through the cross. Through the cross. And we close the story with this. His servants came near. And these guys, by the way, were pagans too. His servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean? He said, you know, if, if Elijah had said, you know, make gold appear or, or do something else, would you have done that? Well, yeah, I would have. Well, why? What do you got to lose? Why not just go down to the river and get yourself dunked seven times and see what happens? Can I say that to you today? I know in your mind you're saying, I've got to do something great. The simplicity of the cross is a stumbling block. But can I just say to you this? What have you got to lose? You are, without Jesus Christ, you're eternally separated from God. He's offering you the free gift of salvation. I'm not talking about some casual prayer, prayer, and walk your life. I don't want to imply that. I'm talking about a commitment to follow Jesus Christ. When Jesus looked at the tax collector Matthew and said, follow me, he left behind and followed him. I understand that. But he wants to include you in his family. By believing, by faith, by trust in his son, Jesus Christ. So Naaman finally concedes. The Bible says he went down. And dipped seven times in the river Jordan. According to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. How crazy is that? The most simple thing. Go down in faith. Just simply get, you know, dunk yourself seven times in the water. And he did it. And he became clean. I want to tell you something. The same deal applies for you today. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord can be forgiven, can be saved. For, for with the heart, man believes in salvation. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. If you will call on the name of the Lord, saying, Jesus, would you forgive my sins? I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. And that's really cool because the best life ever is following Jesus. When that four tornadoes rip through your world... You may still go through the storm, but you've got somebody who will never leave you nor forsake you. It's incredible. Incredible. He says today, simply believe me. Simple. Simply trust me. Over in Isaiah, in this last verse, Isaiah 118 is on your sermon sheet. Come now. Let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson... They shall be as wool.
God's Word says, let's talk about it. Because you're saying, maybe, Dwayne, I'm not very good. i got some stuff in my checkered past that would curl your hair. Bet not. Bet not. And I promise you this, if the curl's mine, it won't curl God's. He can handle whatever you got going on in your life, whatever you had going on in your life. In fact, He can just handle what you got going on tomorrow. He's a, he's a powerful God. And His grace really is sufficient. And all you got to do is say yes to Him today. Now, that was a pretty long message, I think. I'm not sure when I started. But you may have questions still. And, I, and you don't have to have all your questions answered. To say yes to Jesus. Matthew didn't. Again, hey, Matthew, follow me. Okay. He left behind a very lucrative job and followed Jesus. I mean, he didn't have all the questions answered. You really don't do anything without having all your questions answered. But I hope you had enough today to know this, that God loves you. You've sinned against him, but God loves you and wants to forgive your sins. I hope you got that much. And if you'll put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he'll forgive your sins. And you come into relationship with him forever. And forever and forever. And no matter what you've done, he's willing and able to forgive it. Would you bow your heads right there where you are? I, I want to I take a moment. And you know, there's no magic in a prayer. I want you to know that. Again, I don't, there's no record of Matthew praying a prayer. But if you're here today and, and you know, this thing has called your attention to God. Or maybe, maybe you're just here and you do, maybe you're from out of town. But God spoke to your heart today and said, this is what you're looking for in your life. This is what you need. This relationship with with me through my son, Jesus. Knowing there's no magic in a prayer and there's not. If you ask God today, he'll do exactly what his word says he will do. I would love to guide you in a prayer because it's just talking to God. I'd love to guide you in a prayer this morning. And if you'll come to, to him... On the terms we talk about, believing that Jesus Christ died for your sins. And that he says if you will ask and trust him, he'll forgive your sins. And you get the privilege of following him the rest of your life. I'd like to pray a prayer. and You can pray it right there in your heart. You don't need to pray it out loud. But pray right there in your heart. And today you can leave this building just like Naaman. You can be as pure and white as a young baby. No matter what you've done. That's the power of God's incredible grace and forgiveness. I'm going to pray this prayer. And if you've never prayed this prayer. And you've never asked Jesus into your heart. I will give you that opportunity to do it today. If you need to pray with me. Jesus. Father. I know that I've sinned against you. I've done plenty of wrong things. In my life. And I recognize today that there's nothing I can do about that but do what you said. Jesus, today I believe you are the Son of God. And that when you died on the cross, you died for me. I ask you to forgive my sins. I ask you to come into my life and be my new boss. And today I choose to follow you. I believe you died 
that you are buried, but you live again. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing my prayer today. Amen.